Good morning. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounce. This is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got the facts. I'm going to get you guys caught up over what happened over the course of this weekend. Uh, and to get you guys started off with the work re week right, uh, we're going to go right ahead with this word on the street. Uh, we're going to start off in Venezuela. For, the, for those of you uh, that do not know, uh, they had recently, well, not necessarily recently uh but last year they did have an election uh on may the t uh, may and 2018 to be exact now in this election uh nicholas maduro uh was re-elected for a second term beating out Henri falcon and javier bartucci uh, however irregular irregularities uh within the election schedule and also the process in itself has led to the lowest well led to the lowest voter turnout in the country's history and for the UN, the EU, the European Union, and also countries such as the US and Brazil to reject the results of that election. And uh, not only the US and you know other countries, but uh, Venezuelan people. There's been massive protests, a lot of violent demonstrations over the past few months. However, Iran, North Korea, and Russia have decided to back the election results. So that's not that's not surprising to me. Uh, Maduro was inaugurated on January 10th. However, no outside uh, entities wanted to objectively, objectively oversee the results of the election. So, uh, despite the the, the results, uh, the UN did not get want to. This, despite being mad at the results, uh, the UN or anybody else really didn't want to get into. Well, really want to get didn't want to get involved within the election process to at least oversee it. So. Again, I get where there might be an issue with the guy that was elected, but if, you know, nobody wanted to oversee how this was being done or if nobody wanted to check in uh, to see how, you know, things were going in this country, especially uh, when they've already uh, had an issue with the, tick, the with the software they were using to uh, tally votes or so on and so forth, they already having issues with their technology and being able to use it right. So, uh they had issues there uh, throughout uh, the year. Uh, many opinion polls had shown a majority support for a CEO of the country, uh, Lorenzo Mendoza. So that's partly part of the issues. Um, it's partly stemming from the results as well. Uh, Maduro was was leading on none of the uh, polls or none of the opinion polls. He was a far in a way uh, threat. So this is very. It was very interesting or very. Um, you know, controversial for people when he just when when it was decided that he was going to be elected the next president. Now, what I did notice uh, from this is that there were large percentages of undecided voters. Uh, in one poll, it was 39%, and in another poll, uh, it was 40.5%. So, uh, when there's a large voter turnout that's undecided or has not decided to vote yet or could swing either way, that's when there's a lot of drama um that's when there could be a lot of drama about manipulating numbers or so on and so forth. That's just usually when you see that type of pattern. And just for the fact that there's 40% of people not voting, uh, it's just a really large number to me. And I think that's very concerning, uh, especially given what's going on now with the situation uh, with the president that they just elected. Um, on Wednesday, Maduro was challenged by the leader of the popular Will Party and state legislator, uh, late state legislator who swore himself in as president. His name is Juan Guaido. Guaido. Uh, politically, uh, Guaido supports open markets and economic freedom to state and regional governments. So, 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 
like what we do uh, in the U.S. and, you know, other uh First, well, other developed nations, I would say. Uh, he is backed by the U.S. and Canada and some also and some uh, members of the Latin American community. Uh, also, uh, this is coming to contrast from the socialist views of Maduro and his predecessor that we all, well, not maybe not all of us, but a lot of us may have heard of, heard of Hugo Chavez, uh, the former president of Venezuela, a uh, very, uh, very controversial leader, uh, him and himself, Hugo Chavez. Um, now, the military fully backs Maduro and is uh, actually receiving some backing from Russia, uh, Russia, who has also warned the U.S. to not intervene. So we're looking at a, a whole political game here all, you know, all throughout uh, the situation. Uh, we have two different sides. They're both backed by, you know, you know, politically uh, clout, uh, you know, entities like Russia, uh, also the U.S. is involved as well. So this is a very uh, serious situation. Uh, of course, you, of course, have the uh, the, the battle of socialism slash capitalism. Uh, we have seen the results of what's going on in that country in Venezuela. Their economy has tanked in the recent years. Uh, their national, well, just their GDP, uh, their their ability to get people work has gone down, and uh, and actually the president, the current president, uh, Maduro, has done a lot to control the food supply. Since not a lot, not a lot of food is being produced, anyways. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, what's the word here? Subsidized meat packaging, subsidized food distribution. So he's controlling a lot of that right now. People are unhappy. This country has been in a well, I would say a downturn economically for a good while. Is that because of specifically uh, socialist ideals? I can't say that. I think, um, you know, just like with communism, my, my personal opinion about government and governments in general is that on paper, all of them uh, sound good. You can make all of them look good on paper. The whole point, the whole thing about it is, is the people that end up eventually running these governments that are tainted, uh, that eventually uh, start taking advantage of those of those qualities of that of that government so uh again i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get into is it a, a capitalist argument or a socialist argument really what's the problem here i think the real issue is people are not eating people are in a very dire situation and they need to be addressed seriously first um again uh we can well there's been evidence of just what Hugo Chavez had did in his uh tenure there's evidence to know that what what Maduro is doing and some of his, some of just his short tenure has had there has been some political uh maneuvering some manipulation um outright you could say outright corruptness so those things uh needs to be addressed um again to make it a socialist or left-wing versus right-wing argument again that's not uh important i think when you have when you start adding people like the u.s and russia into those arguments those arguments get a little bit deeper but they're unnecessary uh none of our none of our outside influence should have anything to do with what they're trying to do right now people aren't eating in that country people aren't working in that country so um i think that country is in a very particular situation uh, largely brought about them by lack of, of real official leadership and their leadership kind of put them in a, in a position of that nature. Uh, but moving on, uh, we're going to go into some U.S. news, some news from back home. And earlier last week, uh, around Friday, 
it it looked as though the president has decided to cave at least for now. Uh, he has decided to, uh, decided with Congress to reopen the government. Uh, I'm talking about President Trump here uh, to open the government for about three weeks. Uh, talks over the securing uh, talks over securing the southwest uh, southwest border with Mexico will keep going. Uh, House and uh, Senate committee uh, will be holding uh, from both for both parties will be holding uh, all types of uh, meetings to discuss that all throughout the three weeks. Um, now, the House and the Senate uh, voted to pass a stopgap spending bill, which will uh, reopen a lot of these federal agencies until the 18th of February. And 800,000 uh, federal employees will start receiving pay, including all uh, including pay, back pay for all the 35 days that they missed. So these are all good signs. Uh, again, we have to get through the three weeks. We have to navigate through this period to see how far we can actually go. Uh, but no, no money was agreed for on the wall. And the U.S. economy the U.S. Economy did lose about $6 billion during the shutdown. So, again, it was a very uh, trying time for us. Obviously, you know, we're starting to see more and more where that uh, – got us and I really from what I'm seeing it hasn't really got us anywhere uh, but this is a very interesting quote here that I'm gonna read here I think this was interesting because again it's somebody from the president's party it's a Republican uh, this is coming from uh, Republican Senator Shelley um, Shelley Moon uh, from West Virginia and she goes I hail from a state that is very supportive of the president and border security with barriers so that it is a it is uh, with barriers uh, so that so sorry, I hail from a state that is very supportive of the president and border security uh, with barriers. So that is a consideration for me. But there are a lot of strategies we could employ that would work better than a shutdown. So there you go. Obviously, even the Republicans are not necessarily with the shutdown. Uh, well, actually, are completely against it. Uh, they're more. I mean, they understand. You know, they do want some. Well, even even she said it here. I mean, I do would like a border. I would like some type of wall or whatever have you. Uh, but if it's gonna shut down the government, it's not worth having. So uh, there you go. I'm going to keep it just, you know, strictly like that. Uh, there's many ways to have gotten this done. Uh, we look back in our past, I, you know, and, I, and I, don't, I don't see why we keep making things hard when it seemed like we made things so easy back in, back in, our, in our history. Um, we, had, we had Alice Island. We had Angel Island, two basically immigration hubs uh, throughout the 20th century. And, uh, you know, let's, let's keep it real here. It wasn't like they had a technically sound system there either uh, all they did was write down names write down where people were going write down as much information as they could and so on and so forth uh, if they wanted if they could not you know if the person wasn't a criminal they couldn't gauge that and they let them you know relatively in the country freely um, there's you know there's no way we couldn't do it couldn't do that something like similar to that now with the information and technology that we have we're making it so difficult really what I got from that uh, from that that speech that Trump had was Latin immigration is bad. European immigration is good and wanted. So I think we really still have to address the the, the, the situation at hand. I think some of this, there is some under, underlying race uh, issues here, and we need to address that. And I'm not necessarily, um, you know, this is definitely not. We're definitely not out of the woods here. So we have we have three work with three three weeks to go of, of the government being open, and if nothing is, um, you know 
and if nothing is agreed upon, there's a very good chance that we close down again. So this is a serious situation that we're in. Uh, starting to see that a lot of this guy's tactics are just very ineffective. You can say what you want, uh, but he's leaving a lot to be desired. You keep seeing a lot of these people that were affiliated with him keep going down. So the question is, when are they coming for him? Uh, you can keep bragging about this wall all they want, all, all, all they want to, uh, but eventually, I, you know, this Manafort trial is going to come to a head. I uh, just uh, recently uh, charged another one of his partners, Roger Stone. So I, again, I'll be looking out. I'll be looking out for this guy. I don't trust him. I don't trust him. But for uh, for now, I'm going to take a quick break. And uh, I'm just going to go over the college hoops action for over, over the weekend, the top 25 games. Um, and some of the biggest top 25 games over the weekend. I'm just going to go over the top 25 as well. And then for today, we're going to wrap everything up with some NBA talk. I'm going to go over some Lakers drama. Uh, and also, yeah, just some Lakers drama. And also, I got an injury report for you guys uh, going into this week. So I'll be right back, y'all. All right. All right, y'all, I am back. And like I said, I was going to go over some college basketball action. I'm going to be going over some of the most significant uh, top 25 games last weekend, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm also going to go over the top 25 as well. All right, so let's get right into it. Uh, first and foremost, we got Xavier. Well, this is on Saturday. We got Xavier getting it done against Marquette, 87-82. to Marquette holds on to the 12th spot in the nation. We also got number eight, Kentucky, getting it done against Kansas, 71 to. 63. Let's break this one down real quick. Uh, for Kansas, they were led by their forward, Dedrick Lawson. He had a double-double with 20 points and 15 rebounds. They were also helped out by their guard, uh, Quentin Grimes, with 13 points. Uh, in this game, Kansas did not really show up on the offensive end. Uh, looking over those stats again, I'm not really that surprised. They only give up about, well, they only uh, score about 70-some points a game. That's about 30th in the nation. So, um, you know, Kentucky, for what it's worth, they played some really significant defense. I was a little bit uh, a little bit shocked by their defense, but again, I'm really not surprised by Kansas only putting up 63, though. That's just me. But in terms of Kentucky, uh, what they were able to get done, uh, they were led by forward P.J. Washington. He also had a triple-double. He had 20 points and 13 rebounds. Uh, they also helped out by the other forward, Randy Travis. He had uh, 18 points and 12 rebounds. They also got help from the other guard, Kyle, uh, uh, Keldon Johnson, excuse me. 15 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, some other scores from Saturday. We got Westford. I'm sorry, uh, number one, Tennessee. Uh, the number one ten, uh, team in the nation, Tennessee, getting it done against West Virginia. 83 to 66 is the score there. We also got number two, get, uh, two Duke getting it done against Georgia Tech in some ACC play. 66 to 53 is the score there. Uh, we also got Auburn, number 16 in the nation, going down to number 22 in the nation, Mississippi State. Uh, again, this is some significant. Uh, quality SEC player that you're getting here. You don't really see this uh, often, uh, but number 16 Auburn goes down to number 22 uh, Mississippi State, excuse me, 84 to 92. Uh, we also got Iowa State getting the upset. Uh, well, yeah, I would say pull off, pulling off a significant upset in my opinion against Ole Miss. Uh, number 24 Iowa State gets that win against number 20 Ole Miss, 87 to 73. As uh, a score there, uh, let's go over scores from Sunday. Couple scores from Sunday, uh, more so some Big Ten action here. Uh, we got Seton Hall. Uh, they went down to number 18, Villanova, uh, 80 to 52 was the final score there. We also got Minnesota, uh, who was able to pull off the upset against. Um, Iowa. This final score there is going to be 92 to 87. Uh, and also in the big game, uh, Michigan State went down 
uh, Sunday morning, yesterday morning to Purdue. Uh, this was a really, uh, this was a big shocker to me. Uh, Michigan came, Michigan State came in there number six in the nation, number six in the nation, excuse me. And of course, for those of you who do not know, Purdue was unranked. Uh, let's go through this one real quick. Again, the final score here is 60, 63 to 73 for Purdue. Uh, for Michigan State, they were led by their guard, Cassius Winston. Had another good game, 23 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Uh, they were also helped out by their guard, Matt McQuaid, who had 17 points uh, for Purdue. They were led by their two guards, Ryan Klein. He had 17 points, four assists, uh, and three rebounds. Their other guard, Carson Edwards, had 14 points, three assists, and three rebounds. Uh, for Purdue, uh, they move on to 14-6. Michigan moves down to 18-3. Uh, again, it was an ugly game for Michigan State. Uh, they weren't really able to get the baskets that they wanted. Uh, and again, just Purdue just showed up. They played really well. They've been playing really well uh, in conference play this season, that is, uh, being for Purdue. So uh, they had, a, again, a really good win for them. And uh, Michigan State drops another one. They go down to 18-3. Uh, but let's go to these top 25 rankings real quick. We're going to start at number 25, of course. Uh, number 25, we have, uh, excuse me, LSU. They are 15-3. and three. They are making their first appearance in the top 25 this season. They are 0-1 versus the top 25 at this point in the season, though. But they are 5-0 and oh in conference play, which is good enough for first in the SEC. They are also 22nd in scoring with 83 points a game. And they are also 24th in offensive rating. So they score a lot of points, and they tend to score out there. They, well, they tend to outscore their opponents opponents a lot and significantly so they're a really good team offensively i'll have to see i'll have to check in with them a little bit a little bit later on in, within the season we'll see where they're at and number 24 we have iowa state they're at 15 and 5 uh we also got louisville here uh excuse me iowa iowa is uh iowa state is 15 and 5 excuse me at number 24 uh at number 23 excuse me we have louisville at 14 and 5 at number 22 we have mississippi state who stands at 14 and 4 at number 21 we have uh, North Carolina State, who is 15-4. At number 20, we have Ole Miss, who is 14-5. Iowa is that number 19 at 16-5. At number 18, we have 16-4, uh, Villanova. And at number 17, we have Houston, who stands at 19-1. Not, not so much to be said about them. Yes, they only have one loss. Uh, but again, they play in a very easy conference. Their, their strength of schedule does not get any type of love. So again, yeah, they only have one loss, but they're sitting here at number 17. If they were to lose another game, they'd probably be like number 20 or even kicked out of the rankings. That's just how that's just how little respect the committee has for their, their strength of schedule. At number 16, we have Auburn. They are at 13 and 5. Uh, at number 15, we have Buffalo, who stands at 8. 18 and 2. Uh, their last game was a win against Kent State. Uh, they got, like I said, uh, 88 to 79 of the score there. They are 6 and 1 in their conference, which is the MAC, um, and that's good enough for second place in the conference. They are led by their senior guard, CJ Massenberg, who averages 18.2 points a game, 6.6 rebounds, and also three assists. And their strength of schedule is not really, uh, really that great, 1.42, uh, which is again why they're 18 and 1, or 18 and two excuse me at 15 in the nation again um 
they play in a very winnable conference, and their non-conference games weren't that intimidating. I don't think they play anybody in the top 25 yet. Uh, so again, the committee, uh, the selection committee, the you know the people who come up with these rankings, they look they look at all those different factors. They don't look just as they don't look just just as at stats and all that. They look at who you've been playing, how well you looked against them. So they they looked pretty good, but again, they haven't really played uh, a solid schedule just yet, a hard schedule just yet. But at number 14, we have Texas Tech at 15 and four and number 13 we have maryland at 16 and five who also suffered an upset loss this weekend against uh illinois uh you also got marquette who is at 12 they're at 17 and three uh north carolina comes in at number 11 at 15 and four at number 10 we have uh virginia tech they are 15 and three at this point this season at number nine we have kansas they are 16 and four at eight we have kentucky at 16 and three at number seven we have nevada uh, they are 19-1 at this point in the season. They've won five games in a row. The last game was a... a, a a win at home, 160 is the final score there against uh, Colorado State, and they're one of the more balanced teams I've seen. So, well, they're one of the more balanced teams in the nation right now. They're 21st in offensive rating at 113.7, and they're also uh, 25th in defensive rating at 92.5. So they perform really well. They outscore their opponents pretty well, is what I'm seeing here, and they, and they play well. Deep. They play defense pretty well too. They win by significantly large margins throughout the week. So uh, they're pretty. They're a pretty damn good team to be here at number seven. At number six, of course, we have Michigan State. They just took an L um, on Sunday, uh, yesterday to be exact. Uh, they are currently eighteen and three. Uh, look for that to look for these rankings to change uh, during the week, of course, to reflect all these losses over the weekend. This is just. This, these are the rankings as of this morning based on all that happened. Uh, well, not so much even based on all that happened this weekend. So I'll have an updated uh, updated rankings for you guys in a couple of days. At number uh, five, of course, we have Michigan, 19-1. Uh, Again, they they dropped down a little bit since their loss. They are 19-1, like I said, uh, five in the nation. At number four, we have Gonzaga. Uh, we have Gonzaga at 19 and 2. The Bulldogs doing it big for the West Coast Conference. At number 3, we have Virginia. They are at 18 and 1. Uh, they also suffered their first loss uh, in the season not too long ago, actually last week. Uh, number 2, we have Duke at 17 and 2. And of course, at number 1, we have Tennessee. They are, uh, this is the first time they've been number 1 this whole season. Uh, of course, they're still at 17 and 1. They got a significant win over the weekend. They're looking to keep that. They're looking to keep that streak going. Uh, I think they've won about 10 in a row, maybe even more than that. Uh, but moving on, I'm going to take one last quick break. And when we get back, like I said, we're going to talk some NBA. I'm going to go through an injury report. We have a few significant injuries to talk about. And then, like I said, we're going to be talking about some – we have some Laker news to talk about. We're going to talk about them for a little while. Uh, they got a couple different stories coming out for them. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, I am back. I'm going to wrap this up for today. And like I said, I was going to get into some NBA news. Uh, starting off with this injury report, I'm going to go over some few, a few injuries here. Uh, starting off with Jimmy Butler of the 76ers. He sprained his right wrist last week. Uh, he did miss last night's game at Denver. Uh, he had an examination on it on Saturday. Uh, th and this is the same uh, hand he had surgery on last summer. Uh, but 
as of as of now, it doesn't look like to be a significant injury. Like I said, he missed last night's game versus the Nuggets, uh, but it does not look like he's going to be missing any significant time here. So look for him to be back soon. Uh, we also got St uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie on here, uh, the point guard from the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, he suffered a torn ligament in his right thumb, and he will have surgery today. Uh, he's currently averaging 17 points a game, five uh, five assists a game, which is uh, pretty much a career turnaround for him good season for him and the nets have won 20 out of the past 25 and are currently six in the east so this is a significant injury in my opinion that's why i put those those stats in there because i feel like he's he's definitely a part of that although he's on the reserve for them but he's definitely somebody that's a part of that success he's de definitely brought uh brought up his game significantly the nets uh nets in turn as a team brought up their game significantly and i think you know they all kind of they're there's a synergy about that. So I do think that that injury is going to be, uh, they're going to miss him. And he's going to be out for a significant amount of time. He's going to be out for at least uh, almost a, a little bit over a month, about four to six weeks, just like the next injury here. Uh, we got Alonzo. He will be out with a grade three ankle sprain. He thought he broke something, but he didn't. Uh, he will miss four to six weeks, and his negatives are uh, turned out to be negative. Uh, so it's not significant. It's not a significant injury. Well, it's significant to keep him off uh, the court for a while but it's not a season season injuring a season ending injury excuse me um and it looks like he's pretty bummed about it uh the the Lakers overall because of their injury situation they're a little bit bummed out about it uh but I'm gonna let this uh segue us into the big topics of news that I wanted to talk about and this is coming out of Lakers camp uh the big story that I wanted to talk about well, the the, the the most important story that I want to talk to talk about real quick is uh, the, the Luke Walton situation. So there's this new report coming out. Uh, it's been confirmed by a couple of ESPN big heads, uh, Jackie McMullen, uh, to, be, to be precise. I think Adrian, I want to say Adrian Wojnarowski, one of those guys. Uh, but I'll get into Jackie McMullen's quote in a second. Uh, but the big the big deal is here is it's it's looking like not so well, nothing's come out of lebron james's mouth yet but apparently according to the people around him is cam uh he's looking uh well he would like the lakers to get a new coach it looks like luke's walt luke walton's time uh might be done um and to be honest with you i don't really know how to feel about it um i'll get into his record and all that in a second uh but just just to talk about my opinion just to put my opinion in it right now uh, I, I thought he was I, I thought it was a I thought it was a good hire. I, he's a young guy, uh still learning the league. Uh this is not the easiest franchise to to help bring up, especially for a coach who, you know, for a relatively new coach. This was his first job ever. Um so I'm not too sure what the tension is about. There's obviously, I mean, we obviously know why the Lakers are not performing at the par of the season. And I I, I thought that'd be you know, understandable, understandable to the point where, you know, you know, the Lakers front office would say, look, you know, just deal with it. Uh, you know, we, we understand what's going on and, you know, we'll give you some time. And, you know, this is this is a process. This is not just something that, you know, uh, happens overnight. And I, I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, these people uh, brought in, you know, they brought in LeBron and, and, you know, they were expecting some big turnaround right away. I, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, and I, it's almost like that's what they were expecting right away for them, this team just to be some just miraculous powerhouse out of nowhere in the West. And it takes more than that. This is a very um, hard to win conference. So I'm not surprised by the struggles of the Lakers. Um, 
But this is the quote, like I said, from Jackie McMullen of, of ESPN. Uh, this is a pretty uh, interesting quote here. Uh, it goes on to say, there's a lot of tension in that building. A lot of people are wondering about Luke Walton, period. And there's a lot of tension there. And I, I wonder, and it's not so much of a significant quote. It's not so much of a long quote, but it's significant in terms of, like she's, like I said, she. There's a lot of tension. The word tension is there. There's a lot of negativity. There's some drama there because he's there for whatever reason. Um, again, I'm not too sure what it's all that's about. Of course, I mean we're, I you I guess out of LeBron LeBron James's camp, you'd expect more, but. You know, with, with that all, with that roster, uh, with that situation, what you, with that recent history has been for the Lakers, what really, what were you expecting for LeBron? Were you, were you expecting a cakewalk? I sure wasn't. So, I'm not too sure the big, the big, uh, the big issue here. Uh, but Jeannie, Jeannie Buss does support Walton, but says this is a Magic Johnson decision. So there you go. There, um, this will be pretty much on Magic's call, and I think LeBron is 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 serious about him, uh, about his feelings about Luke, because that's what his camp is telling us, then, you know, they will come down to what Magic Johnson has to say. Uh, but as far as Walton and the stats are concerned, he is 86 and 127 in his three seasons in LA. Uh, you know, but again, I don't think he's had the, the best rosters to deal with. Again, I think he's a very a relatively young coach. This is his first job. There's a lot he's learning on the job, uh, right, you know, hands-on every day. And it just so happens it's in a market like L.A. where they're just going to be so fragile when they're so uh, needy for a win uh, where it's not going to work for that. It's not going to work just to struggle forever. Uh, he is 25 to 24 this year. Um Mind you, he could be twenty. He could have twenty six wins at this point on Monday. Uh, this is this is this is on. I got all this information Saturday, so they could have they could have uh, had a game over over Sunday and gone up gone up a game or so. Uh, but they were only they're as you can see they're only slightly above five hundred, um, and they're five and ten without LeBron. So you know again he doesn't have LeBron. Uh, he doesn't really have a second superstar on that team that he can rely upon, uh, that being Luke Walton. So, I, again, you know, with Lonzo Ball also being out for four to six weeks. And there's, and um, another topic that I want to discuss just for a second, a uh, very interesting topic that I came across. Uh, uh, there's a, 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 I'm sorry, an anonymous, anonymous NBA executive out there boldly saying, that Lonzo's not a good leader. He's not. He's simply not a good. Uh, it's not somebody that they would uh, help help build a team around. And that's interesting because he was drafted by Magic Johnson, and it was you know Luke Luke's Walton's Luke Walton's job to build that up. So that might be going against. Uh, that might be some points being docked against him as well. Just the development of of Lonzo Ball and and him. You know, I think the Lakers were. You know, I, I don't think they were expecting this type of struggle because I think they were expecting LeBron to kind of to kind of rub off on on everybody else on the Brandon Ingrams who were I guess emerging players, but not necessarily established yet. But I, I think they were hoping on LeBron just to kind of elevate those players slightly, and that you know Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram was good enough to the point where they just needed to be accented by what. LeBron James could do, and that could get them to the playoffs. But it's looking like maybe Lonzo isn't as good. Maybe Brandon isn't as good. Let's also talk about Kyle Kuzma, which is another uh, topic we can add later on. But this is another layer here. You know, 
the trade possibilities right now, the trade rumors coming out of LA are just it's anybody and everybody could be traded. So, uh, I, from from what I'm seeing is uh, it looked to me as though the Lakers thought that you know adding LeBron would just accent that team or, or pretty much you know add something to the team, not make them a, a championship powerhouse, but just enough, uh, you know, because they figured they already had the players in place. I, I, I'm i seeing it now, just, just the way that they, they went about free agency, just the way they went about putting the team together. I, I think they had a good feeling about everybody, and they just figured LeBron would just add extra. They weren't expecting a championship this first year, but just to be just to perform well enough to get somebody like a Paul George, maybe a Kevin Durant. I'm not saying a Kevin Durant, but just a, a solid. Uh, I don't because I don't think I, uh, the thing about Kevin Durant is I don't see him leaving to LA. I see he might leave Golden State, but I don't see him going to LA. But the whole point was to have a team competent enough to attract. That's what I think it is. You know, you know. Just having a team capable enough to attract another all-star. Not so much winning the championship right away. Not necessarily winning the West right away. But having a significant turnaround to say, look, this is what we can do with LeBron. Don't we look like we can win a championship next year? That was the whole point. And it's looking now like this team might not be able to win a championship even with the all-star that they, they well, at least in the Lakers' opinion. They're, they're starting to feel as though, it doesn't really matter. This team needs help. It doesn't matter who we bring in. This team might need to be, at least this, this nucleus that we have now might need to be broken up. And that includes Brandon Ingram. He's definitely a trade piece. Lonzo Ball, of course, is a trade piece. And now uh, they've added Kyle Kuzma. Who I, who I am iffy about only because of the simple fact that I like what Kyle Kuzma can do. I like his versatility. I don't. I'm not for just giving a, a player like that of his caliber or of his potential. Up. Uh, I I would do all I could to keep a player like that. Brandon Ingram possibly could go. Uh, Rondo could definitely go. Um, Lonzo Ball could go. Although I do like a solid uh, point guard who can who can uh, control the tempo of the game. And he and he probably doesn't have that just yet. He probably not a, the greatest of leaders yet. Uh, but again, I would not I would not want to really let Kyle Kuzma go. Uh, but again, everybody's everybody's in talks. Everybody has everybody has a as a a trade value as of now for Lakers. So it's a very interesting situation, and there's no guarantee. Well, there's no I mean, there's no telling what this team's gonna look like in the next few months, let alone the off season. So do not be surprised if anything happens uh, before the, the 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 deadline for the trade uh, for the trade. Uh, Sorry, the trade deadline. Do not be surprised if anything happens for the Lakers, and do not be surprised uh, within the next couple, within the next season, if uh, those three guys, Kuzma, Ball, and Brandon Ingram, are no longer in the Lakers uniform. All right, y'all. So we're gonna call it. A, we're gonna call it a wrap for today. Uh, my next episode, I will be. Uh, Checking back and giving you guys an update of what's going on in Washington and these uh, budget talks. Uh, we're gonna go back into that. Also, I'm gonna be hot. I'm gonna be going over the Super Bowl matchup. Uh, I'm gonna be, you know, of course, I'm not. I'm not gonna give you guys. I'm not gonna give you guys any picks. Nope. I'm just gonna break down the keys of victory to each team. I'm not. I'm obviously not the greatest at predicting these right now. So I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna give you guys, uh, like I said, uh, just a. My brief opinion on, on my keys of victory for each team. I'm going to break it down. Um, 
Also, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, like I said, I'm going to update, give you guys an updated uh, top 25 for college basketball. And also, I wanted to get into uh, some, some NBA standings as well. We're going to be talking about the NBA at this point in the season, where we're at, what we're looking at. And, um, of course, we still got MLB free agency. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are still out there. I will be looking into what's going on with those guys. As, as far as I know, nothing has changed, uh, but we will, I will be updating you guys, of course, and you know how it is. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you know my name, E-L-J-A-A-M-H, that is L-Jamal, E-L-J-A-M-A-H. You can find me on Instagram, you can find me on Facebook, of course, and if you'd like to give any type of donations, please, please uh, do not uh, feel, feel free uh, to hit me up on course paypal that's e-l-j-a-m-a-h a johnny my my first name my last name well my middle name uh don't do not be afraid to even interact with me this is like i said i'm not so much uh worried about the donations at the moment i rather just want the interaction so please do not be afraid to hit me up on snapchat j butler please hit me up on instagram my name e-l-j-a-m-a-h a johnny a-d-j-a-n-i just hit me up Whenever you want, this is your man coming through another edition of Never Out of Bounce. I'm I'm signing off for today, but it never stops going. Just remember that. All right, y'all. I love you. If anybody hasn't told you yet, and y'all have a good one. Peace out. Sign out.